Let's dig through the mud together. We're so glad you're here. Join us here each week for Mudlark. But da 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 da. Hello, my loves. Welcome to Mudlark. I'm your host, Danny Boltz, and I am so very glad you're here. Welcome. This is your first time here. This is going to be quite a different episode as I actually have Studio 78 podcast doing a takeover. And this is because Nishay Snow, one of my dear friends and just someone I really look up to for so many reasons, but particularly when it pertains to creativity and creative business, creative living, all the things you know I love talking about. And I'm going to be really straightforward with you and say that Nishé is one of my only black friends. And that you might already be like, fuck you, why? And like, I live in Northwest fucking Montana is why. And we, it's just where I have lived I, I mean, even where I grew up, I grew up on Mount Hood. We grew up in a tiny rural mountain town. There were no black people at my school. I didn't have a black person in my school until I was in ninth grade and there was one. And I've always had this really uncomfortable feeling admitting that I didn't even know many black people. And it I know how I sound right now. I'm like shivering in my voice, even talking about it, because I realize I'm a 30-year-old white woman with an insane amount of privilege. And I have felt very scared even talking with everything that has happened with George Floyd and all the riots and just the, the tremendous amount of pain and hurt that has been happening in our country. I have felt very awkward and scared to speak but I know it's important and I'm here to say that I'm learning. I'm doing everything I can to learn more. And I want to just share with you a little bit about Nishé before we pop into this interview. Nishé is what I would call one of our greatest leaders when it comes to really encouraging, inspiring women to lead a life of creativity. And you guys hear how much I talk about creative living. This is because of Nishé. She, I met her a couple years ago and she literally gave me the permission to really live a life that's reflective of who I am. She saw things in me that I didn't even see in myself. And I'm just really excited for you to get to know her. Uh, she has the Studio 78 podcast. Again, her website is nishaysnow.com. You can find her on Instagram at nishaysnow. Support the living shit out of her and just eat her podcast alive. It is so wonderful. It is so jam-packed. And it's going to be really cool because in this conversation, you're going to hear where I was two years ago, which was just starting to figure out my company, Honeysuckle and Mud. I didn't even know that's what it was going to be. It was wooden tomations at that time. So you just get to hear a kind of, or you get to see like a glimpse into where I really was in real time two years ago. 
And I just love Nache and I'm really happy to be supporting her. And she'll be coming on to the podcast as a guest very soon. So you'll get to hear more about her. So without further ado, let's move on to my conversation with my good friend, Nache Snow. I'll see you on the other side. Hello, Danielle. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Hi. So excited to like have you on. You create like some beautiful work and you're just, yeah. So I, I just can't wait to dig into your story. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm really, really happy to be here. So before we get into what you're currently selling online, can you tell the listeners just a little bit about Danielle? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, my name is Danielle. I live in Northwest Montana, and I've lived here for about five years, but am originally from Portland, Oregon. Well, Mount Hood, Oregon, but just outside of Portland. And yeah, moved to Montana about five years ago, kind of have a wild story of what I was doing for work at that time and what I'm doing now, which I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, I'm just living up here with my fiance and his two children and just kind of building a life together. Yeah. And so as we talk about like your path to getting there, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about your current business? Yes. So um, I have a woodworking business. It's a home goods business called Wood Intimations. My fiance and I started it together actually uh, late last year. So it's only been actually (laughs) functioning for about five, six months. And we make things all the way from wooden spoons to cutting boards, mostly kitchenware and outside of the home goods kind of department, I guess we're working on wooden trailers. So building wooden teardrop trailers. And we just completed our first one and we're going to see where it goes from there. Mm. Now for those of people, for people out there who are like, what is that? Uh, wooden <laughs> teardrop trailer. Can you explain, you know, what it is a little bit more? Yeah. So it's like a very pretty little box. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a tiny little trailer. So it's about like the one that we just built is five by eight feet and you can tow it on the back of any really like economy vehicle. It doesn't have to be a truck. And the thing with our teardrop trailers is like a lot of them, you'll see them and they're kind of plasticky and just have different material. Ours are pretty much all made out of wood and natural elements. So The one that we have now, it's basically just a door that you open up to a bed, and then we have a rollout kitchen. So it's great for road trips. It's great for if you hate flying, (laughs) just (laughs) drop the teardrop on the car and go. So yeah, they're they're really fun. They're very unique. Very cool. Yeah. And so for those of you out there listening, go to Instagram, woodintimations.com. Or I was about to say dot com. Wood at Wood Intimations. And it's really cool, like looking at it. So you don't really step into it, right? You just go in there either to sleep or to pull out what you need. Exactly. Unless you are like us and you go to Oregon for a vacation in the spring and it's pouring rain and you literally have to be in it the entire time. Oh, okay. <laughs> you kind of have to like find ways to wiggle around and like 
play board games, but other than that, it's mostly just for sleeping. And you can set it up so there's a canopy right outside, which is great because then you can kind of have more living space. But yeah, they're just very small, very simple, but very functional. Mm. So what were you doing before this and why did you guys decide like, hey, you know what, let's transition into like this handmade home goods business? So it's funny. It's like I said, it's been wild with all of the different things that I've done in my 28 years of life, but really in like (laughs) the last five years. (laughs) Because I moved to Montana with my previous partner to actually assist in opening a brewery, a craft brewery in this tiny, tiny town here in Northwest Montana. Did that for a couple of years, kind of got burnt out. I'm like, I don't think this is really my purpose. I I mean, I love I love good beer, but I don't think that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And from there, decided to take my yoga practice kind of to the next level and open a yoga studio. And it was very, just this tiny little studio in the same town that the brewery opened, uh, did that for under two years and kind of went through another transition of, I don't think this is my purpose. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. And then question, and- were you doing pretty good? Like, was it generating positive income and all that other yeah. good stuff? The yoga so- studio? I was able to feed myself. Okay. Nice. <laughs> um, That's always good. Yeah. You know, it's good to be able to eat and stuff. But like when I first opened the studio and the thing with yoga studios, it's really interesting. This was my experience is you have your grand opening. Everyone signs up, I, you know, it's like opening night brought in probably like $1,300 in one night. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is the answer to all of my prayers. <laughs> right. I'm going to be rolling in a dough. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, those are, that's a 10 class punch card. Oh, wait, people have lives and they're not going to make it here every single day. So, yeah, I just, it was my first time running a business of my own and it was not sustainable long term for me because. I was the business, like I owned the business. I did all of the bookkeeping and I also taught almost all of the classes. Mm, I was absolute limiting factor there. I was so burnt out physically, emotionally. If you've done yoga, you know that a lot of emotion goes into teaching the classes. Um, And yeah, I just, I really, really burnt out and was ready for whatever was next, which was not quite what intimations yet, but it was definitely leading me towards this. So cool. So you're like, okay, this yoga thing though. Great. Is not for me. Um, what, what happens next? Yeah. So, um, I mean, yoga has definitely stayed with me since closing the yoga studio. It's, I always say that it's been my foundation for anything good (laughs) that has happened (laughs) in my life. Um, But I, so I ended up moving back to Oregon. I was back there for about six months just to kind of get on my feet again after a breakup and just wanted to be close to my family. But um, ended up coming back to Montana because of love. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. What are the odds of that though? Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. And what are the odds of meeting, no offense to this town, but like meeting someone incredible? <laughs> I'm sorry. It was just very amazing. So anyway, moved back here and I'm like, what am I going to do? Um, at that point, I was living out of a 17 foot Airstream trailer, a vintage Airstream. Um, brought the Airstream back and decided to sell it because I'm like, all right, I moved back here with about $2,000 in my checking account. I don't have work. There's nowhere here. I want to be working. What do I do? And I ended up selling the Airstream. So I was able to pretty much double on that investment because we just fixed it up real nice, basically did a flip of that Mm. trailer and mm-hmm. that gave me the cushion to be able to start making things again. And that's really what happened. I was I knew some people back in Oregon that were into woodworking and I was just really drawn to it. And my fiance, hi, he has been doing some woodworking and contracting for years and years. And so we have a ton of wood here. And I literally just saw some wooden spoons and I'm like, Oh, those look, those look fun to make. I'm going to try that. And I just got hooked. I just got hooked on the practice. And that's really kind of turned into for me was a practice, like very similar to yoga. And it's so funny how that happens too. Right. Like it was like the first time that I did like laser cutting at a makerspace. And I was like, Oh my God. I, I feel like I was going there like every day. Cause you just, you just <laughs> fall in love with this thing. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, and that's exactly what it was. And I just like, I just thought it was so magical, just the whole process of it. And mm-hmm. just having this kind of like dirty looking little chunk of wood and being able to make something <laughs> beautiful. I just couldn't believe it. And I've, I grew up in a family of artists, like very incredible artists. My grandma's an illustrator. My dad's an illustrator. He does comics, like across the board, amazing artists. And I never really had my thing. Mm. And so once I started working with wood, I was like, oh my God, I think I might've found my thing. (laughs) (laughs) This is it. This is is actually kind of pretty. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell what it is. Yeah, no, they're like gorgeous. They're really gorgeous. And I'll definitely like link to your Etsy shop too in the show notes. So yeah, so you you start doing this, you're like, Oh my god, I love it. How did you get to the point where you're like, man, maybe people buy this and maybe I should sell it? <laughs> well, it actually happens pretty organically, which is surprising because I've always been that kind of person where I'm like, how can I monetize this? I am the same way because my husband always is like, you're going to try to sell this now that you're making it, aren't you? I'm like, maybe. (laughs) I'm so glad you understand that. But I've been that way forever. Like I remember even like being a kid out at my grandparents' house and like they have their little art studio and I would just be making things. They wouldn't be much of anything. And we would do lemonade stands every summer and I would bring my stuff out there to try and sell that too. <laughs> 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 it was just, yeah, it's always been a part of me. So anyway, I, how it turned into wood intimations was basically, I just was making spoons every single day. Like it was all I did every day. Mm. And 
I was posting some pictures of them of the process because I just loved sharing that process piece because I'm so curious about people's process with their art mediums Mm. and people were actually asking questions about them like oh are you selling these I sold a few actually over Instagram that was kind of how it started people would just private message me or comment and then I was like hey this could actually be a thing and I was when I was posting them on Instagram I was having a lot of fun setting up the photos for it Mm. so I was like placing a spoon on a white backdrop, like a sheet, literally just a sheet and putting a bunch of dried flowers all around them because I'm obsessed with dried flowers. If you see my house, they're (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Literally my Instagram, our Instagram page looks like our house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a beautiful house, Ben. That's an amazing house. (laughs) Oh, because yeah because you've got you know because I'm I just pulled up like your Instagram account now and there's like yeah there's definitely a very distinct aesthetic right it's like you know wood on wood wood with the bright flowers you know I mean but there's like this this theme that goes throughout that like ties everything together um, oh. And I think it just adds to the character of the spoons too, right? Because it's just like, oh, this is so beautiful. I want my kitchen kitchen table to look like this, you know? <laughs> Thank you so much. And I mean, that was a big part of, I, I mean, the word intimations it, it comes from William Wordsworth poem. Uh, what is it? Intimations of immortality. That's like where the name comes from. And it's really drawing from those elements, those natural elements, like, constantly hinting at something and our home is just filled with natural elements and we always just really try to pull from the things that matter to us and really transplant them into the business because the business truly feels like such a project an art project for both of us it doesn't just feel like a business it feels like our heart Mm -hmm. and be able to really put in the things that matter to us and things that we see as beautiful is really important. Yeah. I mean, so, so, you know, you said you like started selling your spoons on Instagram, but so Mm -hmm. at what point did you, number one, say like, Ooh, I need a name and I need to open an Etsy shop. Okay. So I guess it was just through those couple sales that I made mm-hmm. that I'm like, Hey, Etsy's, Etsy's a good place. I shop on there all the time. Like, <laughs> I'll probably sell some of these on there. And I was really like, it was daunting to me, just the whole process of like gathering all the photos and taking measurements. I was like, I don't even know. I just want to carve spoons. I don't know. <laughs> like, can't people just find me some other way? But I did just really put my head down and got the Etsy page up and decided to actually turn my old blog um, into the Wood Intimations website. And so when we started looking for names, I mean, I, I that's a process picture I should share as well. It, it just started with what words light us up, like what words bring us joy. And mm. we started looking through poems that we both really love. And yeah, um, we came up on intimations and then I was like, wood. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just makes sense. Right. Right. <laughs> so that's really how that happened. And the Etsy page has been open for, I think only three months now. 
And mm. in my mind, it's doing really well. So it's been great. Yeah, that's like amazing. Um, and then even with the spoons, right? Because now do you make spoons where, you know, cause this is what I would find tricky. So I don't know if you do this or not, where it's like one cup, a fourth cup, you know, like where they're exact measurements. Cause that seems like a little hardcore. <laughs> yeah. So I, I haven't done any like measuring cups yet. Um, but I've done like measuring spoons. So I have, uh, that's been my actually newest like favorite thing to make. And yeah, it's kind of hard. I just have like a little bowl full of salt and a bunch of my measuring spoons, like my legitimate accurate measuring spoons out. And that's how I've been being, that's how I've been able to make sure that they have the right measurements. And I'm sure that there's an easier way to do it. I just have not researched what that is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was just going to say those have been so much fun for me to make because I don't know. I just, I love like the intention that goes into making them and the time and also just like kind of that bleeding into the experience of using them in the kitchen. And I know how I feel when I use wooden spoons and wooden measuring spoons in the kitchen. It just feels very like native to me Mm -hmm. and I love it. (laughs) So I was going to ask you, too like so you do this full time correct I do yeah yeah so how did you determine like your pricing because I feel like and you might still be working through this because it's all you know it's still relatively new like under six months but I think handmade stuff is always so tricky right because you know, people will be like, oh, it's a spoon. But you're like, but it took me hours and hours to make this spoon. And this is like a special kind of wood. Like there's so many things that go into it. And so it's like, you don't want to price it too cheap. And, but you want to still make it affordable unless you're going for like more of a, you know, a high end customer. So what has been your experience with like, just figuring out like the pricing of your products? Because you want to be able to live and eat too, right? So it's just like there's so many things you got to consider. Right, exactly. And that's such a good question. Um, It is, I'm still learning a lot on how to price. It started with me basically just looking at what other people were making. And I'm like, my spoons don't really look that good yet. Um, And so starting lower based on skill. And I've definitely been increasing my prices Um, what I've like, this kind of goes into a lot of just personal work, spiritual work that I do, but I really truly believe that like the way that I am pricing my work is reflecting my own self-worth. And so when I think of like, if I'm going to post a new item that I really put a lot of heart and care into, which is most every single thing I make, I'm like, how would I feel? Like, how do I feel? about pricing this at $38 for a stirring spoon. And if that just like instantly makes me feel good inside, I'm like, oh, that's what I'm pricing it at. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I will get that customer somewhere in the world. And it's proven to happen time and time again. So I'm kind of using that as my compass right now of like what feels good. And yeah, so my prices are reflecting that right now. 
Yeah. And you know what I'll say too about like your spoons, which is what I really like about them is like, they're not, which might sound weird, but they're not perfectly smooth on the inside. Like the scoop part, because you'll see like some wooden spoons and people are like, they almost, you know, they're making it almost like a real spoon where it's like really smooth. But I love that yours has like still like a little bit of the texture from you cutting out the wood because I feel like that adds to the character of your spoons and then it sets it off from other some of the other handmade wooden spoons I've seen oh thank you so much and I love that you love that because I really (laughs) love that too I'm like oh good um but yeah I just I all of the things that I make are handmade so that just means that there's no power tools used at all to create my pieces and I very, very rarely use any sandpaper. So that's what you're seeing. So those spoons that you see that are super silky, beautiful, they're basically scrubbed to death with sandpaper. Right, right. And I just really take my time using my curve gouge to just try and get it as smooth as humanly possible with those tools that I'm using. So yeah, thank you for seeing that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that definitely sets it off from like the other like handmade spoons that you see. And then my question too for you is like, so of course, like you're on Etsy, you mentioned that, you know, you've sold some um, spoons too through Instagram. What are some Mm -hmm. of like the other ways? Like, do you do like farmer's markets? Do you do wholesale? Like how else are you bringing in income from your spoons? All right. So, um, yes, I am doing, I'm doing consignment and I'm doing wholesale right now. So I currently have, um, let's see, one consignment account and three wholesale accounts. And that those have all been since January. Those are all people that I have found since January. And it's really just been like my way of finding those accounts have been what places do I love? Like what places do I absolutely love? What places could I see my spoons doing well in? And I've just gone in there and asked them and they've been really excited to be able to bring in the work. So those are my other ways of doing it. And I just started doing some more collaborative work with other artists, including Hushwing, you know. Yes! Kirsten <laughs> from the watercolor podcast that you did. Um, her and I just completed our first collaboration, and I did some hand-carved wooden watercolor palettes for her business. So she's another wholesale account of mine. She's purchasing, um, yeah, the palettes. It's pretty amazing. Well, so so for those of you guys who haven't heard that episode, it was like episode 39. It was a great episode. But what I love about everything you just said is like, one, the power of networking, right? Like you guys, <laughs> right? You heard on the episode, you guys end up connecting like it was like on Instagram, right? Or was it a different it was way? So I listened to the podcast with Kirsten and... I instantly looked at her page because I just loved her. I was like, her, she just, her energy was amazing. I looked up her Etsy page and I saw her packaging. And I, you guys mentioned the way she packaged all of her watercolors. And so I was yes. like, I got to go see this because my packaging needs some work. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at stuff, reached out to her, asking her some 
basically for some tips and just really saying how much I appreciated her work. And she wrote me back with the most thoughtful response known to man. And at the bottom, she's like, hey, let me know if you want to collaborate. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that gave me so much courage to just start reaching out to people. And it's just really been wonderful ever since then is not being afraid to just reach out to people, ask questions. That is like so amazing. So then, right. So then you have that collaboration right there. And then also, I just like too what you were saying about, you know, just walking into the store, right? And I'm sure you had some spoons in your hand and you're like, hey, these are my spoons right here. This is the pricing. I'd love for it to be in this store. And they're like, yeah, "Yeah, this is great. And I'm really grateful because I do have some other uh, entrepreneur friends in my life that are, they're artists, you know, they're making jewelry or just across the board. And I've gotten some really good ideas as far as what to do when you walk into a wholesale account that you'd be interested in having your stuff at. And one of the best pieces that I've gained, and this is such a silly small thing, but Mm -hmm. my friend Ashley from Raybird, that's her company. She's like, you have to make a chat book, which is the Mm. little Instagram books where you actually, it's $10 for 60 pages and you can just swap your Instagram page over onto these books and they print them out and they're gorgeous. And you can just take it into a place be like, here, this is my work and maybe bring a couple like tangible pieces. But people have been really impressed with that. So I highly suggest chat books. <laughs> because it's like a professional print. It's like a lookbook, like a professionally printed lookbook for cheap, right? It, you know, that could then make you a hundred times more money than the $10 it costs to print it, right? Yeah, exactly. And it just makes you look way more legitimate than you are in that moment, maybe. <laughs> no, <they're>, right. <laughs> yeah, and so that's that was great. And it's really just sweet when you walk in. I know you're not asking about how to get wholesale accounts, but I'm just so amazed with how simple it's been. No, I think this is good because there's other creative entrepreneurs on here. So yeah, if you definitely have any tips or a story surrounding that, please share. Yeah, I mean, I've just, I'm I'm very extroverted and I love being around people. And so like the places that I have my wholesale accounts are literally places that I've walked into, really loved the vibe, loved the people working there. And I could see my work blending beautifully with whatever they have. It could be a coffee shop where I, I have two accounts at coffee shops where I sell my, my coffee bean scoops. I, my work is there because it feels good there. And if you just walk in and you're like, oh, my God, I love this place, say that to them. Be like, I love your place. (laughs) Would you want to see my work and maybe sell it for me? (laughs) And it works really well. Very cool. Yeah. And so before we wrap up, I do want to get into, like, your other business area. And you you touched on it a a little bit, like the trailers, right? Um, So how are you guys selling the trailers? Because that's not, at least I don't see it on your Etsy account. So do you do that differently, like through Craigslist or other ads? So how do you let people know, like, hey, we've got some teardrop. Did I say that right? Teardrop? Yeah. <laughs> We've got some teardrop trailers with trailers available for sale. Like, how does that work? 
So good question, because we're just learning that as we go. Um, like I said, we did take the trailer back to Oregon. Um, we were back there for some wedding planning stuff, but we're like, hey, this could also be a good opportunity to show the trailer off. And so we've definitely been doing marketing that way and just bringing it places so people can see it. People ask to take photos of it all the time. Um, we've done Craigslist. We have a girl coming out probably this weekend to come and look at the, at one of our teardrops. Mm. And so right now that's been the only way that we've been promoting them. So like taking them out, um, just on our own travels and then Craigslist. But then next, is it next month? No, in June, we're actually going to a van life event in Idaho. I don't know if you know about what van life is, but it's people no. who are living out. Of, yeah. It's people that live in their vans full time. It's like, glamorized <laughs> it's pretty neat <laughs> anyway we're gonna bring our teardrop there because that could be a really good marketing event for us so we'll come there with photos of our work and an actual teardrop with us so well that's cool because you guys are targeting people that are in that market right like they're the ones that will actually use your particular product so you're trying to like find where they are and then market it there which is genius yeah exactly and it helps because I I mean I told you that I was before that I had lived in a 17 foot little vintage airstream and was really kind of integrating into that community of minimalism just tiny house small living and so I already have a pretty decent sized community around that. So I've really been plugging in there, connecting with those people. And we're actually now just starting a new Airstream renovation for us. So mm. that's going to be something we'll be sharing through our page as well on Instagram, just sharing that process. And even though it's not going to be a wooden trailer, it's a Airstream, so it's aluminum, the inside is going to be pretty much all wood and all of our yeah, it's just going to match our style. Now, do you all have a YouTube channel? We do not have a YouTube channel. <laughs> I, I feel like I see I see a YouTube channel in your future. <laughs> yeah. I, I only, I say that because, you know, it's like the process, right? People love seeing people building stuff, building homes, building trailers, like right. they, like the whole lifestyle that you guys are building, people like to see see other people doing it so they can get ideas themselves. And even though Instagram, of course, lets you do like the one minute kind of videos, I just see you guys like having like a whole thing on YouTube. No, I love I'm creating more work for you. (laughs) No, (laughs) thank you. It's good because we are actually going to be starting process videos next month. So in, in my mind, that was just doing some, kind of quicker videos like the one ones that you've done like with your journal where you were like moving all fast oh yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> yeah doing some of those with spoon making um but yeah definitely for airstream renovation I could see that being a really good place to be sharing that because another big piece of our business you know it's homegrown handmade it's that whole concept of living a homegrown lifestyle so not just you know handmade goods but like how can you create a life that you aren't living just by default? Like how can you make it just fully yours, fully authentically yours? So yeah, that's definitely a piece that I feel is a little quiet right now. And we want to be sharing more with our community. 
Definitely. I'll be your first follower. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> Uh, before I get to the wrap up questions, just any advice for other people who were where you were like right before you decided to like let go of the yoga studio. And they're just like, I think I have this thing and I think I'm going to do something with it, but I just don't know where to start. You know, any advice for them? Yeah, sure. So during that time of closing, the studio that was like one of the hardest times of my life I'm also 28 years old so I'm in the Saturn return I don't know if you know what that means it's kind of no okay what what is that that yeah I'm like you gotta explain it now (laughs) (laughs) just google it okay (laughs) but it's basically like this time between 27 and 29 it's like you that's when the planets align like from the time you were born I told you it's Mm. woo woo But anyway, it's supposed to be one of the hardest transitions in life, ages 27 to 29. And I'm in that, so that's what I'm calling this. Um, Mm. (laughs) But anyway, closing the yoga studio, I was like, I just knew in my heart that that was not what I was destined to do. And I just believe that like, when you can just get quiet with yourself, get quiet and try to remember what what was it that you loved doing when you were a kid? Like, think back, like, what was it that you loved doing? And just start doing that. Like, it could have been, you know, drawing, or it could have been like playing outside, gardening, whatever, just start doing more of that. And I think that that just really helps lead you to what you are supposed to be doing, or what you, what you will be happiest doing. And just go for it. Like, if something's not serving you, stop doing it. Like, I fully believe that. Like, if it, I'm very open to our business um, changing in ways and like pivoting, you know, you talk about that. It's Mm -hmm. just staying open and following what lights you up. Just doing all things enjoy as much as possible. Great, great advice. And, you know, it's so funny because when I look back, now I'm going to sound like an old lady. When I look (laughs) back on my late twenties, like it was, it was like, you know, you're like, like trying to figure things out. But then I felt like once I got into my thirties, I was like, this is, I was like more comfortable. I was more comfortable even in my skin, like my body. I was more confident about like what I wanted, you know what I'm saying? But it was this weird, like I even, like people always were like, Nishay, you're crazy until they were going through that period. Like I was like, I literally between 27 and 29 felt my body going through weird changes. I was like, what is going on here? And I feel like it got stable at 30. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love hearing that because I'm, I am feeling that now it's like a softening. Like that's the best word I can use to describe being 28 now compared to all the rest of my early twenties. I'm like, I just feel softer And I feel so much safer in my decisions because like when I'm doing things that just bring me joy and light me up, I can't not be successful. And so I'm just really trying to follow that path. And it's been wonderful. And wood intimations has just been everything. So I know that sounds like probably a lot, but it just is. I'm so grateful for our business because it literally encompasses everything that matters to me. There you go. That's how you know you're on the right path. 
Amazing. Feels good. <laughs> Thank God. Good again. I know, right? Right. I mean, you haven't hit that thirty yet, so you're gonna go through a few more rough patches. But just you know, just exactly. just weather the storm. Weather the storm. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um. So yeah. So just like a couple of wrap up questions. The first one is, what has been the best resource for you? Like in all the stuff that you've done and mentioned, like what's like some resources you can't live without? Mm, I love that. Um, this one's kind of, I guess, kind of vague, but I, I mean, just seeking out people who I'm incredibly inspired by. Mm. Um, I, that's probably the biggest resource. And I mean, even Kirsten, I'm just talking about her a bunch on this podcast, but <laughs> she was such an expander for me and mm-hmm. like seeing how good she was doing with her business. I'm like, Hey, we're like the same age and we both are kind of similar. I can do that too. So I think the bet, one of the best resources is really seeking out people who are doing similar things, who are doing really well and getting advice from them and just collaborating with those people. And I'd say, I mean, podcasts, honestly, like, I mean, your podcast has been amazing. Um, there's the almost 30 podcast. I love that. And yeah, just, just lots of things online and podcasts. Yeah. And you discovered me through the one part podcast, right? One. Well, it wasn't even, yeah, it was one part podcast. She, she was actually sharing your journal. Jessica. Oh, on her. Yeah. She was sharing it through her stories and she's like, I love this woman. I'm like, well, I love you. So I'm probably going to love her too. If you love her, I love her. No, I love Jessica. Jessica, <laughs> I know you're not listening to this, but we love you. Yeah, we love you. She's listening. I'm sure she's listening. <laughs> um, and then my next question for you is, uh, what is one thing you can't live without? It could be anything like food, like makeup, like item. It could be anything. Coffee, whatever. <laughs> I would say Epsom salt baths. Oh, Epsom I'm, salt baths. Yeah. It's especially like stepping into this parenting world, which is very new for me. Um, that's been my saving grace. Like when things feel crazy at our house, I just go take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so amazing. It's just been kind of my meditation time and I'm just really grateful for them. So yeah, Epsom salt all the way. Sweet. And then please tell the listeners like everything you want them to know, like where they could find you. Yeah. Um, so basically Wood Intimations uh, on Instagram at Wood Intimations. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, basically, you don't even have to worry about looking us up on Facebook because it's everything shared just straight from Instagram. Um, also, <laughs> <laughs> literally, that's all I do. <laughs> And um, our website, woodintimations.com, that's the best place to reach us. has our email. There's a phone number on there. Um, but, yeah, please find us. We'd love to talk to you. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. No, thank you. I'm so grateful to have found your podcast and to actually speak to you. It's pretty amazing. What do you guys think of that? (laughs) Wasn't that sweet? It was so funny re-listening to that episode. And 
I don't know if you noticed this, but I hadn't dropped into my voice, so it was a bit higher pitched. It's very interesting. When we get closer to our essence and our authentic self, you'll probably notice your voice begins to change with time. It's very weird. So thank you guys just so much for listening. Be sure to go find Nishé on Instagram at Nishé Snow. You can find her podcast anywhere you love listening to podcasts, Studio 78. And yeah, go check out her website, nishesnow.com. And during this time, as I know how heightened it is, it is so easy to get mad. It is so easy to get frustrated with one another, how people are processing, how people are speaking. But just trust that we are all trying our best to learn, to understand, and we really need to love each other now more than ever. Love you guys so much. I'll see you next week. Bye.